got John Moore over here. Hey, what's, what's going up? on, John? All is well. On our way to the U.S. Open. We are on our way to the U.S. Open. We're going to be sitting down here doing a little podcast. We got the Phuc Long. Hi. Vietnam in the back. We got the Vietnamese sharpshooter. How you doing? I'm fine. <laughs> We're gonna we have to go and pick him up. Yeah, we got to go pick him up. Forgot that I had to bring him with us. John, back track. Gotta you, be a man of my word, you know. Yeah. Well, I'll, I'll, I'll tell you what. We were on our way. We were 25 minutes down the road on the way to the U.S. Open, and John said he was gonna be leaving about three yesterday, and uh, we left earlier. And uh, yeah, I forgot that I told him three or four p.m. So that's my bad. So we went back 20 minutes. There you go. There's uh, there's your guy right there, John Morrill, man of his word. Didn't want him to miss his match, no. So we're gonna be uh, we're gonna be talking a little bit to uh, John Morrill here. We're gonna go through John's life as we're road dogging to this uh, U.S. Open. Hopefully, this BMW that's flying around doesn't run into us. But uh, well, I guess you ready to start this? I'm ready. Let's go. All right, uh, John Morrill, Canada. How did you start playing pool? How'd you get into it? Both of my parents played professionally. Um, I was around the game from a really young age. Uh, my mother was a professional snooker player, and so was my father, and they both converted to pool, like in the early 90s. Um, but yeah, snooker in Canada was a very big game back in the 70s, 80s. My father played professional snooker in England. In 1985, he beat Jimmy White in a tournament. That was his best win um, as a snooker player. And he was like the top 50 player in the world, though, played in the Crucible one year. And, um, you know, you had to be one of the best in the world to do that. So, yeah, I've been around the game since I was really, really young. And being from Toronto, uh, I grew up watching Alex Pegaline. He's a good friend of mine, rival, uh, someone I look up to and uh, I've known him since I was about five years old and that was right at the time when he immigrated from the Philippines to, to Canada so we, we did uh, a couple 21 questions and I think your answer to 50% of the questions was Ronnie O'Sullivan does that mean that uh, snooker is still your uh, number one love or do you think, do you think I it's love cool? snooker but pools pools my deal you know I, I would have tried to play professional snooker when I was younger if the game was more popular in Canada, but you know, the only way to, to make a living at it was to go over there to England and give yourself a real shot. So, you know, pool's been my, my bread and butter since I was young. And I know the game a lot better than, than I know snooker. How often how often you play snooker now? I played in June, for all of June, and did pretty well, actually. I beat like uh, an Indian player, like an Indian champion that moved to Canada played probably 35 frames and I, I beat him 19 to 16. Wow. He's he's a very good snooker player, but yeah, I picked up my snooker cue after years of not playing and I felt like I picked up right where I left off, so it was, it was a good experience. I say I was shooting very straight on the pool table when I left the snooker cue. What, uh, what's your high run? I've run a century a couple times, I think. Two or three centuries, like you know, one sixteen, one eighteen, something like that. That's pretty strong. Nothing too big, but my father's ran six one forty sevens. Wow! And uh, he 
miss the green ball to win a car in a tournament in, in the UK. A lot of classics, so he, he's a very good soccer player. You know, I, I never got to see him at his best. I wish I did, but from what I hear, he was he was awesome. And uh, anybody, if you're uh, out there listening, let us know what uh, audio level's good. Of course, we're kind of in a car. We're kind of winging it here. So uh, if uh, anything's a little quiet, let us know. All right. Uh, so I think a lot of players knew you. Uh, I mean, you've been around the game for 20 years, and you were always a right-handed player. Now, a lot of players I don't think actually know why the change was made. So why don't you take us through how you went from being a right-handed player to basically only breaking and jumping right-handed at this point? Yeah. Well, it's been a long transition. You know, it's not something I just decided to do overnight. I had thoughts about doing it for a while, you know, for a year or two before I actually made the switch. Um, but as you all know, most people know I'm left-eye dominant when I play extremely left eye dominant and I didn't start out that way I was I was right in the middle of my chin I was equally eye dominant and um, slowly over the years I my left eye got stronger or my right eye got weaker I'm not sure um, but that caused me to be in a lot of pain because I had to uh, I had to bring my my stroke arm my right arm underneath my left eye and so I was, I was going across my body, and it just got worse and worse and worse over the years. And all the pain was caused in my, my trap right here from being in a, in a very awkward position. You know? And uh, I dealt with the pain for so many years, and pretty much I just couldn't take it anymore. Um, I had to quit playing. And uh, you know, it was a very sad time when I had to quit because had aspirations as a kid to be a world champion and a lot of people believed in me and you know, I loved the game I loved competing I was one of the best players in the world on my right hand had a lot of the top finishes won major tournaments beat the best and it was really sad when I had to quit so uh, it was sad but I found a really fun hobby I, I started DJing um, I loved it, but it just wasn't paying the bills, so I wasn't prepared to get a regular job. I'd never, I've never worked a regular job in my life. You know, pools always supported me, so I wasn't about to do that. So I uh, just locally in Toronto, I started playing left-handed. Started, you know, playing money matches with the locals and weekly tournaments and just doing whatever I could to get by and giving lessons on the side. And in the back of my mind, though, I had already decided I'm going to play left-handed professionally. I just wasn't ready. Um, and I needed to take a break. I needed to relax. The, the road life was just too much on top of the pain and my, my trap. Um, so I needed to take a break from the road and was in a relationship at the time. Uh, I just needed to, to regroup, you know, and, and come up with a plan. Sure. And uh, that's exactly what I did. Uh, so what was there a catalyst that got you? So I guess uh, 
left-handed pool, you kind of decided you wanted to do it. But was there any catalyst that kind of got you to the point where you wanted to uh, to get back in left-handed? I'm thinking right around that time you uh, there was the World Cup of pool that you really launched on the scene playing left-handed. Did uh, did um, anything like that or no? Just it, the idea of wanting no, to get back just, into it. Just the idea of I miss the game. I miss competing, and there was so much unfinished business like. I knew since a very young age, like if I just work at this game, my best, there's no question I have the talent to be a working and to win a lot of big events, a lot of majors, and be one of the best players in the world. You know, I, I just knew I had it in me. It's mainly the world championship, you know, like I wanted to win a world championship, but just not doing that just didn't sit, sit well with me. It's like, you know, I felt like a failure. Like I, I failed myself. It was really sad. So, you know, I, I embarked on this new journey as a lefty, and you know, I started to see how how well I could play opposite-handed, and I thought, well, I can still break right-handed. I, I don't have the power to break left-handed, so I don't. Depending on what game I play, what rack we're using, you know, but. I normally break right-handed because you need power for the break. And as soon as I put it all together, I thought there's no reason why I can't go back and win major events. You know? Sure. And a lot of people ask me this question: Were you better right-handed, or are you better now left-handed? And a lot of players, a lot of my opponents, will say I was better right-handed. But you know, results speak for themselves. In the last four years since I've switched. My Fargo's went up three points. I was a 786, or maybe even lower. And my Fargo's went up. It's went up more than three points. You've won a couple big events. Points, you know, and, and that's playing in 20 to 30 plus tournaments a year against the very best in the world. And, you know, these matchroom events have finished top 16 in all of them in the past two years. So I'm feeling confident that I'm better left handed now than I, than I was right handed. Do you think uh, do you think not having those those bigger power strokes with your left hand? Uh, do you think that that has helped you just simplify your game? Maybe instead of taking off on crazier shots, or you know maybe you'll play one cushion instead of three. That not because I can do almost everything with my left hand. Like I can do the power shots. There's only a few power shots that that I can't. Really if I can't do those left hands, I can shoot them right-handed still. I'm only in pain when I'm using my right hand all the time. Sure. I'm still in a little pain from breaking right-handed every time, but not nearly as bad as the pain I was in from playing right-handed and breaking right-handed. So you and I see really two players on the tour today that um, that really contort their bodies to be able to get their head into position on their shots. It's you and it's Alvin. Yeah. Did you ever talk to Alvin about that? I haven't. We're both aware that we're, we look almost the same under under the cue, shooting right-handed. But as far as I've, as long as I've known him, he's always been that left-eye dominant. Yeah, absolutely. I did not start out that way. A lot of players will remember that too. My cue is in the middle of my chin. And it slowly veered off to the left. And then I went to eye doctors and all that. It's not really a vision thing. It's, it's your eye dominance is basically 
your brain chooses which eye to judge the angles out of. It's like an internal brain, you know, matter. It's it's not it's not really your vision because I have great vision of both eyes, but I just choose to judge all the angles automatically with my left eye. There's nothing you can do about that. You know? I'm actually uh, exactly. I tried to, to train my right eye, but I, I can't. I'm exactly as uh, right eye dominant as you are left eye dominant. I actually put the cue over top of my uh, the outside of my chin. Um, but, I mean, I'm a right-handed player, so it, it makes it a lot easier for me to get my body into position on that. Uh, it'd be interesting to see what ends up happening with Elton's career. You know, just, you, know, you know better than anybody how hard it is to actually get your body into that position. Yeah. The, uh, yeah, I, I, I don't know if he's, he goes through, went through the pain I went through. I really don't know. Seem like he does. I don't hear him talk about it, but maybe he does. I don't know. I'm curious. Hey, us. So, uh, what is what are some of the biggest hurdles that you had to face going from that righty to lefty? In the beginning, it was uh, the attention. You know, like a lot of players, they didn't, they didn't know what I was doing. They, they didn't take it serious. They didn't really know how much pain I was in. So they thought, well, what is this? Why are you changing? Is, is, it, uh, is it some kind of joke? Is it for attention? Or what is it? You know, they just didn't take it serious. It's one of the Earl Strickland, like, throwing uh, baseball grips right. on his cue. <laughs> but, but everybody understands now. They get it. That was a big hurdle in the beginning. And, you know, the big hurdle in the beginning was, uh, another one was, in the back of my mind, in the beginning, I started competing left-handed. I, I just knew I knew I wasn't gonna be a threat to win tournaments. Like for me to beat a good player that week was was enough for me. That was that was a good enough week for me to pat myself on the back. But I was going to a lot of events knowing that I wasn't gonna win. Sure. And you know, but with pool, you know, there, there's always some action. So like, if I didn't do well in the tournaments, I would I would match up. I'd make a score, or, you know. I was, I was. A lot of players underestimated me as a lefty in the beginning. Um, so I got some good action you know, out of it. Uh, it didn't take long, you know, for me to to get the feeling that I can win when I start when I started traveling to these events as a left-handed player. And I feel like I can, I'm capable of winning any event that I'm at now. Sure. I mean, you've had a couple big wins in the last. Uh last three or four years. Yeah. What, uh, yeah, and I guess a couple of people gave some shout-outs. Uh, the way that you played against uh, Oscar was uh, last week. Mm-hmm. That was incredible. I mean, you're playing world-quality pool. Yeah. Uh, I broke really well. I finally figured out something with my break. Evan Lunda showed me. A lot of people will find that funny because he's not really, like, a, a dominant rotation player. He knows a lot about the game. He's very knowledgeable, and him and I are friends. And he showed me a couple of things. He's that, 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 talent. that have been shown to me about the break before, but I, I didn't want to learn. I wasn't ready to learn, or they just felt uncomfortable. So I figured out my break, and you know, my break's been failing me. My ten ball break's been failing me in the last five years, at least. I've lost a lot of big matches because of it. And, you know, it's like I'm spotting everybody the break. Um, and, and, I'm, and I'm playing with my opposite end. So, 
my break came together last week with Oscar and I was able to run a lot of racks, put a lot of pressure on him. And I was able to play with confidence because when you're breaking well, typically you're confident and when you're not breaking well, it's, it's hard to, to get in a rhythm and run racks. Sure. Yeah. So, uh, I guess, what are you working on right now? Are you still feel like you have to work on uh, some aspects of your, your left-handed game to get you to where you need to be? Or do you think you, for the most part, put everything together? Put it all together. I, I put in so much time in the past four years. I don't know anybody that works harder than me. I've practiced three, four, five, six, sometimes seven hours a day. Um, rarely miss any days. That's like four or five times a week. And I got to put in that work uh, because I'm playing with my opposite hand. You know, if I take a couple days off, I lose my stroke quick because I'm not a natural left-handed player. I'm never going to be. I'm not ambidextrous. Anybody asks, everybody asks me, John, are you ambidextrous? I'm not. I might look like it, but I trained myself completely from scratch to play left-handed. I started when I was about 16, you know, just so I'd be able to reach shots I couldn't use my right. Um, I just, you know, worked on my, my left-handed game. Ronnie O'Sullivan was was a big influence in that too. Everybody knows how, how great he is opposite-handed. I was like, oh, this is cool. Yeah. And I'm sure it, it helps him around the snooker table. And you know, no problem. Yeah, left-handed. You need. It's a big weapon to have to use your opposite hand on a snooker table. You need the bridge a lot more. And Ronnie doesn't because he can shoot with both hands. So I thought. Yeah, that, that would help me in pool too. So I, I just got better at it over the years. And um, eventually, you know, I just decided I'm going to be better because now I'm queuing under my dominant eye. I shoot straighter. My, my chest doesn't get in the way. So I'm not getting up on my shots. And uh, I, got, I got a better cue ball. I just feel more confident on every shot. Yeah, it's, uh, I mean, if you can do it, right? I mean, like I said, there's there's two players that I can see in the entire world that have to contort their bodies, and I, and I use the word contort there extremely uh, you know, meaningfully. It's uh, you you really look like you're you're contorting yourself just to get yourself into that spot. Albin is the same way. It's just another player that, that just, did that was Wu Chaching with his left hand. Oh, he did, yeah, yeah, yeah. Because he's the right eye dominant player. He's always did that right eye right eye dominant. I played him in the World Nine Ball in the Junior World Nine Ball. When 15 were the same age. Actually, Albin got finished in the semifinals that year as well. Who beat me in the semifinal? Broken ran like the first eight racks I never shot. A little down eight nothing. But he's always been that right eye dominant as a lefty. So I think these players that are born with that, their muscles grow into that and they're used to it. You know. Now I deal with a different kind of pain that I have to manage, but it's not as bad as the, the trap pain that. That I had to deal with on my right trap. Um, my left lower back, like my left hip, is not used to bending that way because I'm sure I didn't just change my my stroke. I, my, my shooting arm, I had to change my entire stance. So now I stand the other way on my left side. My my lower back on my left side is just not used to bending that way. You're uh, so, uh, you're you're pretty close to a snooker stance, if I if I remember right. No, you kind of like snooker's pretty square. Yeah, you but you're, you're you're on the square side of uh, on your stance, right? I'm 
I'm a little more square than I was right-handed, but it's, it's still a pool stance. Sure. So, uh, I guess we're on our way to the U.S. Open. What, what does your schedule look like in the next coming months? What, what are you up to? After the U.S. Open, uh, I may go to the Predator event on the waiting list for that in Ohio. In Ohio, yeah. And then it's the 14-1, the Q Masters, American 14-1, and the U.S. Center. And Puerto Rico? Puerto Rico. Puerto Rico, yeah. And that's... For the most part, I think those are the last big events for the year. Um, I don't think there's anything that uh, mid to late December that I can think of that's really big. Um, you're obviously playing full time. Uh, you're you're touring what, seven or eight months out of the year. Where is home base for you when you're not? It's been Las Vegas since the pandemic. I went to uh, Las Vegas the Diamond Players Championship and the U.S. and the uh, World 10 Ball Championship back in 2020. We played the Diamond Players Championship and the World 10 Ball got canceled and everybody started flying home early. Everything was locking down. Instead of going home to Toronto, I stayed in Vegas and that became my home. I made a lot of great friends out there. I love Las Vegas. I love the weather, the atmosphere, the Everything about it, you know, it was, it was a great spot for pool. JRB, you know, made it the, the biggest action spot in the country for a long time. Especially on Robert Ballon. So, just can definitely thank him for that. And uh, it, was, it was great to be around there, you know, during that time. And I've been traveling so much the past year. I don't spend as much time in Vegas, but I still go there, you know, once or twice a month, whenever I can. And, uh, yeah, I, I definitely call it my second home. Toronto will always be home. I'm always going to be Canadian. So. I was going to say, do you ever have any aspirations of doing a dual citizenship? I don't. Um, because if I become a dual citizen and, and play for the U.S. on the Moscone, if that's what you're referring to, it does nothing for Canadian pool. Sure. I, I really want Canada to be eligible to play in the Moscone because, you know, we need that for, for the kid. For that talented kid in Canada who's going to grow up saying, I want to play on the Moscone Cup, you know, for, for Canada and represent my country. Um, if we don't have that, you know, the, the game's probably not going to grow to the level we want it to grow. So I want to, I want to hopefully one day play in the Moscone for, for Canada, you know, and I think they'll be open to, uh, to opening that up for Canadians. Why not? You know, Europe's got all of Europe. Clearly, the Americans need the help. They, they, <laughs> a little bit, don't we? They, they win only a very small market. Fifteen years, stronger. I don't know. There's a lot of great juniors coming up, but it's years, years for those. And uh, show. So, we'll see. Yeah. Well. We definitely need to have players coming through. Uh, I mean, we're going to get to see this play uh, coming up in the next few days with the uh, the, the junior yeah, event. Right. Shane Milling Junior Tournament. It's great that they're doing. Yeah, that's a pretty cool stuff. Do uh, you know of any Canadian kids that got into that? I don't. I don't. Hopefully there are a couple here that can uh, meet up with. Sure. 
how uh, how closely do you follow the uh, the juniors in in Canada? Do you have a couple uh, good good young players coming out? I haven't followed it very closely at all because, like I said, I've been living in Las Vegas since the pandemic, and Canada was locked down a year and two months longer than the U.S. So we didn't play pool for a year and a half, basically. Whereas you know America and a lot of other places were only locked down a few months. So Canadian pool took a took a took a long break, and uh, you know so I kind of. Out of touch with the up and coming player. There's a lot of talent, and I can't wait to, to see all of them and meet all of them. So, we're on our way to the U.S. Open. Uh, what kind of preparation you've been doing to, to get yourself ready for this stretch run? I've been doing a lot of running, meditating, eating well. I train hard, practice every day. I've been, I've been working out, trying to get good sleep. Just keeping it simple, you know. I think that's the best way to prepare for me is uh, to keep it simple. Sometimes I complicate things. That that leads to me going to the table with a with a lot on my mind, and I, I play my best pool when, when I have a clear mind and I can keep this keep it as simple as possible. Sure, absolutely. Is there a do you go through any like phases with your training where like you, you said you've been working a little bit on your break right now do you try to do you try to focus on certain aspects of your game and work on them for a couple months or do you just kind of practice the things you need to practice in the moment just practice what, what I feel is lacking I've figured out my 10 ball break so I'm happy with that I have a pretty good idea of this 9 on the spot matchroom break playing a lot of their events getting the hang of that so it's it's all about you know just hitting the break as pure and as accurate as you can and, and hoping for the best. You know you're hoping the referee gives you a good rap. You definitely need luck on the break. There's no question, but there is a lot of skill to that break as well. So. Yeah, yeah. This is my first time really uh, really playing with it. It's a sandcastle game. Safety and moving aspect of the game is, is coming to play now with this nine kind of on the spot. You know, we're not making three, four balls on the break every time like we were with the one on the spot. So there's more tactical play, which is better for an all-around game. Sure. There's more banking, kicking, safety, strategy. You know, uh, the smart player is going to come out a lot more with this format. And I like that. Yeah, absolutely. Is this... Uh, is this perfect format going forward do you think that this needs to be changed do you think this is this is where it needs to be? i think i think the the format is perfect uh the race could be a little longer the first couple rounds but i know they have so many players kind of want to get the f first few rounds out of the way but uh my opinion is you know people are traveling from all over the world so you know give us a longer race but it is what it is I'm just gonna make the best of it not complain and, uh, yeah, I'm happy to be playing the game I love. Yeah, it's a, it's a, it's a beautiful game, right? And it, it seems to be never in a better spot. I mean, we got this guy back here, proof, sleeping sleeping back here, honestly. <laughs> Comes all the way from Vietnam. It took him 30 hours to get here, he said. I mean, I, I, there's so many players from Asia, from 
the Philippines, from Australia, yeah. New Zealand, all these places coming from all over the world. It, does, do you think pool's in a good spot right now? Do you think it's growing? It is. It's moving in the right direction. I think um, more feedback from the players needs to be listened to. Much oh, not. Paying a toll. One sec. <laughs> Thanks. The raw. This is raw right here. Yeah, very. So, yeah, I mean, it's, it's we growing. We starting right? a players' union, um, a few of us. Appleton, Jason Shaw, and Dennis Grab got it together. Um, we haven't really talked much since the first time we all sat down in Vegas. So I don't know what the plans are going forward, but there's a lot of sponsorship money being put into the game. There's a lot of big events. The game is moving in the right direction, so I think now is the time for the players to form a, a union and, you know, we have to have we have to have some say with uh, the way our game is being managed because uh, you know I think I think our opinion gets overlooked quite a bit and we need to come uh, come to a common ground you know, with the promoters, the tournament directors, try to give the people, the spectators, the best the best possible production of the game. You know, they, they, they need to see us play the best format, best rules, and, and they want to see us stick with it. We, want to, we need consistency. Yeah. I, I mean, I, I couldn't agree more. I think uh, there is something to the idea of experimenting with the format. I mean, that's who we saw, especially, I mean, going back to the break with this one, the one on the spot versus nine on the spot. Um, the European Open was kind of an experiment, right? And what we ended up finding out is I think that's this is just a, a vastly better product, right? Yeah. The the players have been asking for this for, especially the European players have been asking this for months. You know, maybe maybe you yeah. think a, a union might get you a little bit faster right. to those and, situations. And I like how we're using the Aki rack for the entire tournament because <laughs> the hand rack is the that, hand the hand rack of the final sixteen was just too inconsistent. And, yeah. Those are the most important matches. The tournament's getting down to the nitty gritty, where you know the champion's going to come through, and uh, you don't you don't want the best player being eliminated because of a nine ball floating in the pocket three four times each yeah. each set. You know, yeah, the accurate, we saw that a lot. The, the nine ball stays on the spot unless it gets kicked. So we need a consistent rack, and Metrop did that. So we got to thank them, you know, uh, for that. I'm excited to, to just know what to expect. You know, we're, we're going into it, going into the U.S. Open, knowing that we're playing with the same rack the entire time, and that's that's all we really wanted. You know, we've seen it way too many times. So seen it way too many times where uh, you, you know you can't just point to one single break and be like, "This is the reason I lost the match," uh, generally speaking. But we, we've seen it way too many times where Hill Hill or players, you know on the hill and the, their opponents breaking and trying to get uh, hill hill as well and you know you hit the rack and it just you, you just know it you just know a slug rack when you when you see it when you hear it yeah and you just don't want a referee you, you, you just the referees shouldn't want that yeah. kind of pressure on them right I mean, i'm sure the referees are yeah. absolutely ecstatic that they don't have to put it on themselves to give a good rack yeah and there's already enough luck in nine ball there's plenty of luck in nine ball we don't need 
nines flying in off the break unexpectedly. You know? So, is that a rule you th- that uh, you think should be changed? No, no. In a uh, perfect world, no golden the, breaks. The perfect world, yeah. No, no golden break, call shot. But there's luck in every sport, and spectators want to see that. It's, it's an interesting part of the game. It's it's heartbreaking, you know, for for the players and the spectators who want one guy to win but they can relate to that because there's bad luck in every sport mostly every sport there's some sort of luck involved and in life in general so everyone can relate to that so that's why it appeals to them as a viewer when they're watching you know if you see the ball go in after someone miss it makes sense that they're shooting again right it's just it's luck it's part of the game but a spectator might not understand, well, he just made that ball. Why isn't he shooting anymore? Well, because he didn't call it. And then you have to explain all of that. Sure. Yeah. And then it's, uh, you know, the, the game is going to flow much better with the luck. Sure. the luck factor of all. The same goes for everyone. It's part of the luck. It's part of the game. I think uh, I, I, the idea of a, of a players union can be scary, right? Because the idea is, you know, we've had this in the past where we've had some pretty bad people involved with the players union and they kind of imploded or they only took care of a, a certain handful of players. But at the end of the day, a players union properly should be a, a tool to help the promoters with what they're doing. And at the end of the day, I think what you just said there is really important, right? Because you're looking at it not from a player's perspective, you're looking at it from a, not only a fan, but a potential fan, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, we need to get people watching the game that have never watched the game before. Yeah, we, we got to grow, right? It, we want to make it as simple as possible for them to follow. You know? And I think uh, I think that's a that's a pretty wise thing to say there. Um, it, it shows an understanding of where the game needs to go to, not just where it's at, right? Players just need to put their feelings aside, I think, including me, and. Uh, just trust that uh, you know these promoters are are looking out and want our best interests by by making the, the, the game as simple as possible and, and exciting as possible. Excitement. This pool in general the most exciting thing to watch, let's just be honest. It's, it's not like watching football, basketball, tennis, these high intensity sports, boxing, fighting, you know. We need so that the and the, the shot clock is good. The fast shot clock, I get pressure on the players, and you know it makes them speed around the table quick. I saw Chang Jung Lin. Or, Nobody or, wants to watch somebody walk around and think about what he's doing. It's the same reason why pick a month. You don't see <laughs> chess on, on, on TV. Like, that game is so brilliant and beautiful, but nobody wants to watch that. Yeah. Yeah, it's a, it's a, it's a small base thing. you're a chess player, yeah, a yeah. chess fan. You know? I think, actually, yeah, that's probably a pretty good uh, comparison to pool. Nobody, yeah. If people can watch poker on TV, they can watch pool. So we, we got to find a way to make it exciting. Because I can't watch pool. And I like poker. I like playing pool. I love watching pool. I can't, I can't really <laughs> sit there and watch it. It's just not exciting to me. Man, I I always love watching poker. I don't know. I, I 
I don't even play that much poker, but I, there's something about the way that that's marketed and the way that that's uh, put out there as a product that it's the luck factor is way bigger. So anybody can win. That's some. That's some. The money maker. Yeah, it's the money maker effect, right? They make it so that you know poker is a game where the average Joe can win if he runs good. Yeah, Chris. The above average player. Yeah, sure. Not the average Joe. Just a lot of skill in that in that game, definitely. Yeah, you're not going to have a, you're never going to have a five, or let's even say a good player. You're never going to have a 650 Fargo win the U.S. Open, right? No matter how hot they run. A lot of people play poker. That's why it works on TV. A lot of people watch it. Yeah. Anybody can win at poker on any of the day, so they have no problem watching it. So we've got to be to make the average show watch pool. So what, what, what's your thoughts on that? How do we do it? Predator, what they're doing is right. Trying to find predator like stand ball, like It's definitely a slower pace game. To make up for that slower pace, they do that. It's a match for playing it right with nine ball, fast paced game. A lot more people know it as the 10 ball, so they get it. Sure. The game is moving in the right direction, and that's the bottom line. And it's been since it's been moving in a direction yeah. like this. And it seems I've to never, be it's, it's never been as good. And I've been a professional player for almost 20 years, and it's never been this good. It's only been a couple of years, so hopefully it can, it'll last and grow and build. Can only hope, right? Yeah. The, the, the predator, predators adding events every year, matchrooms adding events every I just, year. I just wish all these companies would get together on the same page, and then we'd really see the game grow. Yeah. You know, we need to get with each other somehow. Come to a common ground. That's that's when the game is going to really flourish. I don't know. I think it's, I think it can happen. Sure, would be nice to have uh, everybody working under the same. Uh, we want the same thing for the game. We all, we all, yeah. So we're only going to be in each other's way if we don't work together. So if we're smart, we'll, we'll find a way to make it work together. Yeah. All right. Well, we're we're on. So uh, Very, very happy. I might switch back to right hand and play with the lefty. <laughs> You'd be the only player in history to win a right hand lefty. No, I won't do that. I will keep playing lefty and win more and more major events. So it'll mean everything. I'm just going to take it one match at a time, enjoy the experience. And it's just about me playing the best I can. If I can play to the best of my ability, I'd be happy with that. And the results are going to take care of themselves, you know. Whatever happens, wherever I finish is where I finish. But if I can play my best pool, that's what's going to make me happy this week. Sure. Absolutely. If, uh, if you could win one event in the next year, what do you want it to be? U.S. Open. U.S. Open. Yeah. 
U.S. Open or the World Championships. Either one. I'll take either one. It's, uh, or, um, World Set Ball? Any major or, tournament like that. World Set Ball, World 8 Ball, Puerto Rico next month. It's going to be a world title. I consider you the U.S. Open to be a world title. Yeah, I mean, it, it certainly is. It might be the toughest event of the year, right? It's the toughest. Yeah. I mean, that or the World Temple. It's the biggest, or, no, sorry, it's, the world it's the biggest field. All the best players are playing. Nobody gets shut out. Yeah. A, a lot of players don't get invited to the um, World Nine Ball. It's a max 128 field. So this 256 field is the toughest. So this will be... Some some would think that this is even tougher than the World Championship, so it might even mean more for me to win this event or any other player to win this event than a World Championship. Yeah. So. At another toll. Yeah. It's, Are you gonna come off with some some cash for the toll? I've paid like three of them today so far. There you go. It might be your turn. <laughs> no, Stiffing me this, on the tolls. Oh uh, yeah. I I I just figured that uh, you know we'd give them some marketing. It's good. One second. jamming over here yeah digging it thank Excellent. you you too thanks where are we at we got about uh 20 miles 40 40 minutes 40 miles 40 minutes 38 right. miles who uh what's your favorite event to play in the year besides the u.s open world pool i like the derby city classic derby is that because, uh, uh playing all the games that are at a really high level now even when I wasn't there, I always loved the Derby City. It's got nine days, four, five, six tournaments. All the best, all the action, all the action you can get. You know, it's just nonstop excitement. It's a lot of fun there. Yeah, that's uh, that's one of the events that I have not gone to yet. Wow, surprised. And it's actually like decently close to me. I think it's only about a six or seven hour car ride for me. Yeah, you're missing out. Well, maybe I'll have to swim through there next year. Yeah, definitely. Not. It's uh, end of January, right? Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, where where do you hope to see your game, let's say, uh, five or six years from now? How do you gauge your, your success? And then how do, you, how do you create your checklist to get yourself there? Well, what, what I'm definitely after is major titles. So, in five or six years... Be making sure that I have a couple major titles under my belt. You know, that's that's the goal. That's the main goal. Major titles, major victories. That's that's the elite of the elite. You know, I'm already an elite player, but uh, I want to be one of the best, the very best in the world. You know, top top ten, top five, top three player in the world. Uh, I know I have the capability to do it. It's just a matter of uh, developing that. Confidence, the consistency, and you know, establishing establishing yourself is one of the best. That's the journey. So, for me to, you know, I, there, there's definitely a lot of titles I have on my checklist. And it's just a matter of accomplishing those, and, and I won't stop until I do. Sure. Yeah. Uh, one of the cursings and the blessings of the game growing as fast as it is right now is uh, it just seems like there's 
there's champions coming out of everywhere. Like uh, Marit, Marit's news how uh, Newhausen just uh, took fourth in this last event, and most most people had never even. I mean, obviously he's a two-time junior world champion, but uh, most people in the U.S. had never heard of him before, and he's one of a dozen, if not more, uh, European young guns coming out. It's taking the game by storm. It's 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 a tough field. It's tough. Yeah, it's very competitive. Pool is, is more competitive. The standard is higher now than I think it's ever been. There's so many great players from all over the world. You can't even keep track anymore. You can't even keep up. So it's an exciting time. The game's moving in the right direction. Have you looked at your draw for the open players? Yeah, I played Brandon Gordon. When that goes to whatever Gomez or whoever he's playing, and then Appleton is in our bracket as well, so I have a strong little bracket. You know, sure, but every bracket's just as strong, if not stronger. You are, uh, I would have to assume, you're a seeded player. Yeah. So, uh, you know the player you're playing against? Brandon Gordon. He was playing. Or, do you know him though? I don't know. Was um, was he actually? I, I feel like I saw his name on the yeah, the Sandcastle. Yeah, he was there. Yeah. So, yeah, maybe that's a maybe that's a, a match that's a nice little tune-up for you. Is yeah. There, is there a schedule for it? You know when you're playing? I what time? Know. I'm not sure yet when we play, but I'm not underestimating anybody. I'm going in there and trying to play my best pool, like I said. And it's not about who I play either. It's I know, I know very well that if I play my best, play my game, it does not matter who's sitting in the chair. Facing, going up against. I'm playing the layout of the balls, the layout of the table. Sure. I'm not going to underestimate or overestimate anyone. Anybody out there in the comments, uh, if you want to ask a question to John, get your questions in. We'll uh, we'll take a little, a little uh, round out with some uh, fan questions if you guys got anything for him. Uh, I guess I'll ask. Uh, we were talking a lot about tennis earlier. It's like you're a pretty passionate guy. So let's let's talk a little bit about tennis. Who's your favorite players? What do you love about the game? Roger Federer is by far my favorite player. Before him, it was Pete Sampras. But yeah, we were talking about it earlier. Federer, the just way he flows and moves around the court. He's, he's an artist. So smooth and accurate. That one-handed backhand, no one's ever been able to hit a backhand with one hand the same power with the velocity he does so yeah he's incredible the way he dominated his mentality Um, I love tennis because it's just it's combat you know it's back and forth combat it's kind of like pool it's it's like fighting it's just one on one and uh, it's just outlasting outperforming your opponent I just I love everything about the game. It's just exciting to watch. These guys are so athletic. Did you ever play any tennis? Mm, tried, but I'm not very good. Um, but I've been reading the book, The Inner Game of Tennis, and I have a much better appreciation for the game now that I've read the book. Did you try playing a left-handed? Maybe you're better at a left-handed, huh? <laughs> no, I'll, I'll definitely be using my right hand if I play tennis. You need power in that game. For other sports, it doesn't affect me to be left eye dominant. It's for pool because you need yeah. that, that cue underneath that eye. You know? It's hard to make balls you can't see, you know? I found that. Right. So, little Chris has a question. Uh, 
with all the hours you've been practicing uh, that you mentioned earlier, are you satisfied with where your progress has been? Satisfied. Yeah, very satisfied. I don't think I could have done any better than what I've done in the past four years. Put so much work into the game. I've gained a lot from it. Um, Experience-wise, confidence, financially, you know. I've, I've done very well in four years. Switching from right to left handed maintain an elite level of a top 20 player in the world. You go and look on the rankings. I'm always floating around the top 20, top 30, placing in the top 16 pretty consistently. I'm just trying to get over that hump, and it's only a matter of time. Sure. Uh, here's a question for a fellow countryman Have you uh, have you done any mentoring for Canadian Stephen Holman? little we're, we're more like friends but he's a great player man. yeah he's super talented i watched yeah i watched him play in the, the bna he uh, masters of, a of myself we have a very similar style but you you i think you address the background as well you address the tables in a, in a lot of the same ways yeah but he has a lot of talent it's very accurate it's super accurate i told him when i first met him and discovered him as a player professional sucker. He's run a lot of centuries, close to a hundred if not more. Wow. Really? Yeah. So he uh, so he's a really talented sucker. Oh, yeah. he, he was a better sucker player than I ever was, put it that way. Wow. I could probably give him a go playing left handed now. But as a right handed player he was he was better than I ever was. Wow. But I'm playing better sucker left handed than I was right handed. So you switch to a left-handed cue? Uh, no. <laughs> took me a second. That was a good one. Uh, I only slept a few hours last night. Forgive me, people. I made that joke in, uh, in the UK where uh, playing snooker at, uh, at um, Herringay Pool Club at, after the Moscone Cup. And uh, I was messing with somebody that said that you have to grab a left-handed cue if you're going to play left-handed. So we went over to the wall and started looking at the bottom. I said, it's the, down at the bottom, it'll have an R or an L on it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we sit there rotating the bottom. I don't see it. It's, it's, it's good. It's awesome. yeah. um, so here's the question. Uh, your thoughts on the Accurac throughout the tournament? Uh, we already talked about that a little bit earlier, but I don't know. You want to say it? Yeah, it's consistent. It's a good rack. I think the refs are learning how to rack the balls a bit better with those racks. So I'm looking forward to playing with it throughout the tournament. And here's a question for uh, for Tara. What is the biggest thing you've learned about yourself in the last year? Tara. Tara who? Then he knows. have mentors, we all have people 
they yeah, always have we a team around them. Stuff off a team, yeah. And I've always been, I was blessed with way too much natural talent, you know, growing up with both my parents being professionals and looking up to Alex Pegaline as, you know, as a, as a role model. I picked up a cue and I knew how to play. You know, I was I was beating Thorsten Oman, Ralph Sakay, Rodney Morris when I was 15 in major professional events. I was born with way too much talent and I didn't want to listen to anybody. I didn't want to listen to what anyone had to say about pool or life in general. I didn't take advice. And you know what? It cost me quite a bit over the years. Um, my ego was just so big, you know. Um, I just thought I could do it all on my own. Pool's been, you know, pretty much my entire life, so I took that mindset and did that with normal life, too, you know. I, I didn't want help from anybody. So, you know, it cost me a lot, and uh, what I've learned in the past year is that I can't do it on my own, like I said, so I have people that help me. Tara's one of them. She's done she's a, she's a little bit different from my game. She's a great girl, a great mental coach, and she helps a lot of people, and she's offered me a new perspective on uh, my mentality. It's probably the thing I've struggled with the most as a player over the years is my, my mental approach to the game, you know, where sometimes I just sabotage matches a lot, not sometimes. I've done it a lot more than I can count. It's kind of been my default setting. You know, when things aren't going my way, if I'm not winning the match, you just you know find a way to sabotage mentally. You know, and I'm starting to not do that. And yeah, realizing that I need help, not just with pool, but in, with life in general. You know, there's so much to learn, and we can't do it all, all on our own. We need another perspective. All of us, you know, on whatever we're doing, we just we just need somebody to talk to as well. Sure. Just about anything. You know, we, life can get a bit heavy. And, you know, we don't talk to people. We just let it all build up inside, and then you know, anxiety comes along, depression, you know, just get overwhelmed with everything. So I've learned to talk, talk to people, develop relationships. How hard was it to build a, uh, a team around you? Are you are you still building that team? I'm still building that team. I'm pretty new to it. Yeah, I have a pretty small circle, and I only let you know, a few people in. But the people that I've let in definitely looking out for my best interest. And so I'm happy with my team right now. I know it's only gonna expand and get bigger in the future. That's where this guy comes in, right? Adding into your team. <laughs> long in the back seat just passed out he's, he's, part of the team. Don't worry. he's loving it he's loving life right now <laughs> me too <laughs> alright anybody else got any questions out there that you want to ask John if not uh, we'll be wrapping this up I think we're uh, about 15 minutes outside of the US Open now so uh, anybody else have anything get it in I, I will ask one more question as well because I think it's a fun one if uh, if you go into 
All right, let's say we got the, we got the ping, right? If you wouldn't have found a way to make this work left-handed, I know you've met some DJing. Uh, what do you have? In, what do, what does John Moore's life look like if you if you don't switch to left-handed? What do you think? I really don't know. I really love DJing. I love house music. Toronto had a has a great house music scene. I really took on a life to that that whole scene. I was going to start producing it. I had all the programs ready. I I know I was put here to do something great. Cool just happened to be the most convenient because of my parents. But I wasn't going to settle for something mediocre if I didn't play professional, if I didn't switch to left left-handed so it was going to be something special you know something that i i'm passionate about something that, that i love you know, i wasn't going to settle for a regular nine to five job i have nothing against that but it just wasn't me you know it was cool you know it, it gave me something to be great at i stood out you know as a pool player and if I didn't play professionally, I would. I'd, I'd want to do that in a different world. So. I like the acting part of that. What? Uh, I love movies. I, I love yeah. acting. I don't know. I just think I. Have you ever tried any of it? No. Oh. Just a just an aspiration yeah. type of thing. Yeah, just an aspiration. What? Uh, what do you think you'd be? You got you got a great dry humor. I think you'd be awesome in like a yeah. dry, <laughs> dry comedy. Thanks. Appreciate that. <laughs> I don't know whether to take that as a compliment or an insult. Oh, definitely that's all. Yeah, definitely that's all. Um, I don't know. Maybe the James, everything. Yeah. James Bond villain. Dry, dry humor. I think it'd be a good badass. Though. Yeah. yeah. I think it'd be a James Bond villain. Like a good hitman or something. A good DJ. A good DJ. <laughs> no, that would that would be uh that would be perfect. All right. Be good in a dramatic role. All right, well, uh, doesn't look like there's any other questions out there right now. So uh, I think, uh, John, we can wrap this up. We're uh, starting to get into some turns and stuff, so we'll let you get back into focusing. But uh, appreciate you joining on the podcast. And everybody, everybody root for John this week, yeah? Let's go. U.S. Open. Rack them up. Rack them tight, reps. No caps. <laughs> See ya. All right. Thanks, everyone. Thanks for watching.